Before I was ordained 31 years ago as deacons in preparation for priesthood, we had to prepare a video cassette of the Mass. The professor asked each one of us to prepare the entire Mass on video so that we could present that to the class and receive critique as we prepared to become ordained. So there were 30 of us and there were three different classes to break this group up. There were the really bright ones in section A. There were the pretty good ones in section B. And I got into section C, which was not as great. And when it came time to present these videos, the professor said, well, who's going to go first in your group? And no one volunteered. So he said, okay, let's check the alphabet list. And it says, Watkins goes first. I said, no, Father, it should start with the A's. He said, no, no, the first goes last, and the last goes first. Lucky me. He put in the cartridge tape and began. And within five seconds, he stopped the tape. And he turned to me and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm uh, starting the Mass. He replayed the tape stopped it in the same place, and asked again, what are you doing? I said, um, I'm processing in. Replay, play, stop. We're only into five seconds of this mass, by the way. He said, what are you doing? Um, I said, maybe my hands aren't folded, right? Replay, play, stop. What are you doing? This went on for about 25 minutes of his interrogating me about the first five seconds. And I said, Father, we've got a whole hour to go on this mass video. And you're spending all the time on something like the opening part of the mass? He said, you don't get it, do you? Do you have any clue as to what you're doing? I said, clearly not, Father. He said, does anyone in this group have any idea what Watkins is doing? And that's when you begin to know who your friends are, right? No one said a word. He said, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. I'll tell you what you're doing. You are going up to be crucified. That opening procession, those opening moments are critical in the understanding of what the Mass is all about. He said, you're not just processing in, you're not just going from point A to point B, you're not just walking down the aisle. This is not insignificant, friend. What you're doing is you're going in procession to Jerusalem. in the person of Christ, 
as his priest, you're going up to model the example and follow the pattern of Jesus. That's why we call it the sacrifice of the Mass. You're going up to be crucified. That changed my life. I never take again the first five seconds of a Mass ever so casually. And nor should you. We're all going up in procession, each one of us in our own way. We come into this church and go in procession bringing our crosses, bringing our sins, bringing our hopes and desires, our joys and sorrows, our anxieties and doubts and fears. We bring our entire bodies. Does not St. Paul say beautifully in that second reading today, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In a moment in the Mass, the priest will say, pray, my brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. So you're coming to make sacrifice, your own sacrifice. I'm offering the bread and wine that becomes his body and blood, but what is your sacrifice? This is very important. You're going in procession now with him. And you're coming to the altar of sacrifice. And what are you going to do there? What do we as Catholics do when we come forward to the altar? We're going to unite our crosses with his. Now the world will say, no, 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 no. Get rid of the cross. Get rid of it. You Catholics, you glory in keeping this corpus on that cross. You should do what other Christian churches do. Take him down. He's been raised from the dead. Glory in the resurrection. But you Catholics tend to focus on Good Friday way too much. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Right? No. No, we recognize that the world would love to get rid of the cross. It would love to get rid of Jesus and the cross. See, Peter is saying that in the gospel. He's saying, Lord, God forbid that you should have to do that. God forbid. We're not going to Jerusalem. That's a bad place. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get killed. And we're not going there. So let's just go someplace else. Let's get rid of the cross. There are much more beautiful places we can go. We were on Mount Tabor just a few weeks ago, right? Wasn't that beautiful? Let's stay here, Lord, Peter said. God forbid that you should go to Jerusalem. And what does Jesus say to Peter in turn? Get behind me, Satan. Pretty powerful. Here last week, Peter was given the keys to the kingdom as the first pope the first among the apostles to be the vicar of Christ on earth after Jesus' ascension. And now, Jesus is turning to say, get behind me, Satan. See, Peter thinks he's in control of this whole thing, and he's not. 
And Jesus knows that even Jesus is not in control of this. That's why on Good Friday he will even say, Father, why have you abandoned me? Why this cross? Not my will, but thine be done. As St. Paul says so beautifully again in that letter to the Romans today, be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God. So it's the tendency always to want to get rid of the cross and to say, I I don't want this cross, Lord. So think about that cross or crosses in your life right now because we all have them. And if you don't think you have them, you're in denial. And that's not a river. Denial. Denial. You can't ignore it. You can't run away from it. In fact, it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. Now, if I were God, and sometimes I think I am, I would get rid of every cross in the world. I'd make every evil go away. I take away all sickness, this pandemic of corona. I would never have allowed war. I would have so created man and woman with an orchestrated mind and will that was just like mine, doing good, love, peace, joy. I'd make heaven on earth. I'd get rid of every evil because I'm so great, I'm so generous, I'm so magnificent, I am absolutely God, I can do anything. Wouldn't that be wonderful, friends, if God just got rid of all the evil? Make the world go away, right? Make all that stuff go away. Well, I'm not God. And I don't always understand why there's evil and why there are crosses and why innocent people get killed and a whole host of other injustices all around us. And you say to yourself at the end of the day, is there any good left? Or why does evil seem to outweigh the good so often? Well, this is a mystery, the problem of evil. How can this good and gracious and loving Redeemer at one and the same time allow for so much evil, especially as it afflicts the innocent, the young, the helpless? I don't have the answer to that. All I do know is that he endured it. As well. When I think about my cross or crosses in life, and then I place them up there and compare myself to Him without minimizing my story, without minimizing my pain, nonetheless, I have to reflect oh my God. Oh my God. This is the only perfectly innocent man in the history of mankind, perfectly innocent, a God-man, crucified. Why? 
You might say, okay, sure, to be the perfect act of sacrifice to atone for sin. Well, again, if I were God, I would never have allowed even that. I wouldn't have allowed sin. So why did God create it this way? Why did he do it this way? It could have been so much easier, so much more efficient. Because God doesn't just talk about love. God is real. And Catholic faith is real. Keeping it real, as we say, that is the act of love. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And as you reflect on your crosses, do you have that kind of love for him? As he reflected on his cross out of immense love for us all, for all time, for all religions, for all races, for all peoples, past, present, future, the perfect. Think about the weight of what Jesus must have been experiencing in the depths of his perfection in humanity as he takes on all of that for you and for me and for all so that sins may be forgiven. How much love does the love of God have? Look at his arms. And they never come down. They never come down. It must be exhausting to love that way. But see, God doesn't get exhausted because he's given himself over to love perfectly in Jesus. And you can too. Oh no, I'm not God. I can't do it that way. I can't love that way, you say. Love as much as you can then. And he will come the rest of the way. That's why we come to Mass. You come as far as you can and he comes down from that cross to you and meets you halfway right here at the sanctuary gates and gives you as you give him as each of you give to each other body and blood. He gives it to you. You give it to him. And you share that cross of love together. Oh, he's not going to necessarily take away your cross. But he will help you to bear it, to manage that pain, to manage that anxiety, those doubts, those fears, those broken relationships, the questions in your life, the heartaches, the wonder, the mystery. Because he does it with trust in his heavenly father. And this is the invitation that we were called in the beginning to be children of God. And that means to trust our father. God the father. Mary the mother. To trust the saints, our friends in heaven. To develop that great trust that despite what I'm going through, despite what our country is going through, what the world is going through at every stage of history, nothing new in a sense, but that we might come closer to him out of love for him and bear our crosses out of love for him who bore his cross out of immense love for us all.
So this is why we don't take the corpus off the cross as Catholics. Because we keep it real. Every day. And this is not bad news. This is not sorrowful news. This is not tragic news. The world would like to say my homily is, oh, a downer. It's such a downer on such a beautiful day in Washington. Hardly. As Christianity is so paradoxical. Just when you think you've got it, it flips the other way. The good news is that Jesus is saying in the paradox of faith, once again, as he flips things in the counterintuitive experience, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, this is why the world can't follow Jesus, because they don't want to take up their cross. I don't want to take it up either. I don't like crosses. I want to get rid of them or disguise them, mask them. Now, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. It's a very simple command. It's so hard. But Jesus doesn't play around with words. If you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. Now, he's not doing that to hurt us. He's not doing that to make our lives miserable. He's saying, this is the way it works. You can become strong through your cross. You can find strength and joy in your cross. What? Yeah. yeah. It's just counterintuitive. You look back over the crosses of your life and you connect the dots and you say, now I'm beginning to realize why our Lord did that to me. Why he allowed that. I can't figure out all, but I do know as I look back, wow, there was a reason for that. There was a purpose for that cross. I get it a little bit, and I'm going to embrace it. In fact, it's so true in the psychological sciences of mental health and rehab and as people get their lives back together emotionally after tremendous experiences of heartache and suffering, most therapists are going to say, don't ever run away from the pain. Embrace the pain. That's where you find yourself. What? Yeah. Yeah, in those moments, I can go right back to the cross and stand there and know now in faith I'm not alone because he's there with me. I'm never bearing my cross alone. On that Good Friday, they deserted him. But what's beautiful about Jesus is that he never deserts you. He will never run from you. We run from him, but he will never run from you. So we come back to the Mass. You're going up to be crucified, friends. And on that cross... You're going to give him all your doubts and fears and sins and everything and say, Lord, take it. And he says, give it to me. Come on, don't be afraid. Give it all to me. I've done this for you. I'll do it again until the end of time for each and every one of you. Don't be afraid to do this to me. I've conquered this. I can do this for you. And we can do this together.